welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me is my lovely co-host, the author of Surrender Your Sons. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. You're, You're just like Faith. You're back for I'm the back end. just like Faith. I, I was thinking it was going to be like a Giles thing, but he was kind of around a little bit yeah, towards yeah. season seven. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean... You know, you know me, I'm always like default to like whoever the older funny daddy character is, but you know, I, cause I'm not like a faith um, at all. So, but I will, I am faith in this day. I'm here for the end. Uh, and we have got two fabulous guests with us today. Uh, first up is teacher, lifelong Buffy fan and lumber gay. <laughs> I'm not a real lumber gay. Um, Denver gay. <laughs> uh, there we go. I'm Stephen O'Neill. There we go. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, and also we were you thought we were done with the Stevens. Um, We are also joined by uh, New York news anchor Stephen Romo. Hi. Hello. I am not like a faith. I'm more like a Rona, just appearing in the last season to searching. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because Adam also ran. Yeah, I can't remember the last episode of Buffy that you co-hosted. It has been a while, but you still. I think ever everyone has done three this season. I think. Well, I think my last time was like a thousand years ago when you started season seven. that was a joke about how long you go through seasons. <laughs> <It did feel laughs> long. I, I do take a long time with the seasons, but to Listen, be fair, it was only thirty-five years ago when you did the. the, the uh, I, th- Listen, I think because I, I think it was the first episode. I think it was the first episode of season seven. It w- Listen, this is the first season where you didn't move like three times in the course well, of finishing. Oh, read me, read me. I've moved five times since <laughs> you. Did. Yeah, I, I think because I'm actually I've moved back to. West Hollywood, where I lived in from like 2013 to 2016, um, right. and five years came and went, and now I'm back because I never should have left. But I, I lived like in seven different addresses between <laughs> now and then. It's been a very cha- the, the the Trump years were very chaotic for me. And, oh, it's nobody else, but just me. <laughs> yeah, no one else. Oh my god! So, so yeah, here we are at the at the, at the final like yeah. push. I guess the yeah. final batch, like season seven, all kind of. I know this is usually a complaint for me, but this is sort of like where it becomes a little more serialized the season where you can't really be like, Ooh, each episode is a different flavor. Like it's very hard to pick out which one. There's, there's no more hush. There's no more like stuff like that. Right. But so because I, this is one thing I'm bad at remembering that both guests will have the same name and you can't see them. So what we're going to do is (laughs) Stephen Romo is going to be Stephen. Stephen O'Neill is going to be O'Neill for the sake of this podcast. And uh, Stephen O'Neill, would you like to start us off with your Buffy origin? Oh my gosh, sure. So Buffy premiered when I was seven years old and I believe I watched the, uh, the pilot, the very first episode uh, live with my oh. family. I think we were on spring break and um, I watched it with my family and um, like really liked it, but my seven-year-old brain didn't really, you know, know right. what was going on. But, um, and then I remember throughout the first season, like my sister and dad would watch it. So I would like, you know, catch a few moments of like the witch or nightmares. Um, but then that summer, I think the WB re-aired the full first season and I got really hooked. And I saw so I was just would watch the repeats um, building up to season two. And then season two hit and it was it became a, an actual 
obsession and maybe like kind of a worrisome one for a seven-year-old to have. But uh, <laughs> I would, I, I would, my room was just covered in, in posters and magazine clippings. And I just, uh, my parents spent so much money on, on Buffy stuff. And so, yeah, I would, I was, uh, I would watch it every night with my mom and, um, during commercials, she would pretend to be a vampire and I would be the slayer and we would like, we oh would God. beat each other up. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and that Aww. was, yeah. So, and I would just, wall to wall and everything Sarah Michelle Geller did was, you know, everything to me. And I, so I was really just um, kind of hooked very early on as a child and have been ever since. Every time you said seven years old, my fingers dug deeper into my chest. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, at least it's been worse. I, I can remember people have been like, oh, I wasn't born yet. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I was seven years old. I was smoking cigarettes. You know, I was, I was, I had lived a little. <laughs> I, no, I love this idea of like a seven year old you like feeling very seen by these like sort of like teen sturm and drang Buffy losing her virginity to like a guy who turns evil oh right away like, I, I, yes. <laughs> yes and in third grade like I was like obsessed with like being friends with my teacher so she would be like my Giles oh my <laughs> God. one recess my friend and I like went and like did something in the library with her and I was like so excited and everybody <laughs> else was like well you loser why are you hanging out with the teacher at recess but it was every i was like she's my giles this year. <laughs> you're just laughing you're like that's such a harmony thing of you to say <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking precious uh Stephen romo would you like to give us your buffy origin Yes, I really appreciate that O'Neill's origin is not. I've heard uh, several people on the podcast, they talk about like academia and like studying Buffy. No, no, <laughs> I'm much like Stephen O'Neill. I was just a little kid and uh, not not that little. I can't, I can't get the timelines mixed up, but I watched so much TV as a kid. Of course I watched uh, Buffy yeah. and I got hooked really, uh, really quickly. Like the sort of the, the loser misfit kids were the interesting ones and all the popular kids were the boring ones and you know some like dirty little neglected uh, kid running around pretending to be a uh, uh the first boy vampire slayer so very early on. i feel like right every little gay boy wanted to be the first Absolutely. boy slayer right yeah i think we missed the point of the show but yeah yeah, yeah totally so i think we were all like no we'll just like be this like little exception we'll just be this, this like little gay, gay sidecar <laughs> I don't think any of us wanted to replace Buffy. We're just like, no, no, no. Like she has a little brother who's like saucy and then it's, and, and it's not Dawn. Um, I, I was not actually Dawn. curious that I was not cast as Dawn. <laughs> Big oversight. Buffy having a gay younger brother would have absolutely tracked, right? We would, like, none oh, yeah. of, we would have all like ascended to a different planet. Like, we wouldn't have handled it. And it could have basically been the same character, kind of just a whiny right. little teenager. But more like a boy. paying attention to me. <laughs> no, Buffy fandom would have escalated into like, um, like those Beatlemaniacs, or like you see, like, like, like those people at Michael Jackson concerts <laughs> just, just like fainting and faint, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like in so, the Moonwalker video, was just like, carried out. <laughs> I have to be live to go. <laughs> so we are we're towards the end here, and we are here to talk about empty places, 
which is a very um Adam, I feel like you and I have brought up this episode so many times during the course many. of these seven seasons. <laughs> it's we have like planted the seeds, I think. I think I feel like this is the biggest like plant and payoff we've done in like the history of <laughs> of the like the, of your podcast where <laughs> we keep referencing it because we have come back to this for years. As spe- yeah, like for years we've been referencing this as the the moment that pissed us off the most in like mm. the show. <laughs> I know, um, and I feel really bad because I have been yelling. I'm like, this is the crux of like not this is an unearned writing, and then like it's our friend Drew Greenberg. So <laughs> <laughs> we were talking before that, yeah. But like, I know, like at this point in the show, like you're like you have to just make certain things happen. But like, I, I I revisiting it, I'm just like, oh, it's fine. I just I'm just upset that they kissed me. Right? Yeah. It's just, it's just I'm just upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah so i mean the thing that pisses us off doesn't even happen till the end when i was re-watching in my brain i thought it happened i didn't realize it's like literally like one of the final beats of the episode because i kept right. waiting to get there i was like oh we're gonna get there because i'm gonna get mad because also even when adam and i were talking about the end of the season we were both like wait which episode does she get like we couldn't remember which one like i think we thought like oh maybe it's dirty girls right at the end but yeah. it's not it's not till like this one um because these episodes do get mushed together right adam right they i mean they, 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 there's a little bleed i mean because yeah. it is it does it just it does become very serialized because i feel like around this time x files like similar type shows were do like were trending yeah. towards more serialization because um pay cable was hitting pretty hard and and for whatever reason, um, it just seemed like we were going in a much more serialized way. Like X-Files' final few seasons became very, like, one episode led into the other. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I have, and then I have a renewed defense of, of the, of the Everybody Leaves Each Other scene. <laughs> now that I know Drew wrote it. But, um, it, yeah, it, I think it's, because I think, if, it, I think there is a queer reading of this where it's like, it is very, like, um, jealous gays turning on the hottest one. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And until I realized, I'm like, oh, if you view it through that lens, absolutely, they did this. Adam, I love that reading. Of <laughs> wow, like everyone's really stressed out, and when you're that stressed out, you just get ex- you just like start doing like weird low st- like just low stake stuff, like just turning on people for no reason. And I mean, I do to to lend credit to that theory. The first person, the first, you know, character she encounters in this episode is Clem, who is a very queer-coded character. Please. Uh, and I actually like their discussion here. I like that he's not really being mean, but he's he's just kind of, like, trying to, like, encourage her and be positive, but also is like, maybe you should leave, too? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He also gives, not to bring this back to scream, but he gives the same, he says the same thing Dewey says. He says, this time it seems different. Yes. Um, oh, my God, yes. Like, oh my God, scream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dewey watched Buffy, I think. <laughs> Stephen O'Neill and I, our brains have been nothing but scream for the past few months. <laughs> I know, I can't see anything else. I'm sorry. When you said scream, I thought you were going to go in the direction of Gail's cameraman in Scream 2, who's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm out. We're out. <laughs> But I, I do like that it's like this demon that's leaving town. I mean, granted, he's not, he's never been like a evil whatever, but like, I like that this like very nice demon who just like hangs out in crypts and like eats snacks is like, no, it's time to go. This is like a bad apocalypse. And like, 
it's a nice i i feel, I feel like he's the perfect character for this scene um i was thinking what you would think about that adam as the uh writer of the group uh oh. like do you think he's like the good char- like a good pick for that kind of character for here I do. Yeah. I mean, especially with who they were kind of like, again, it's, this is someone who is not going to be involved in the final fight. Right. Um, this is not one of the Buffy inner circle. So it makes, you don't have to deal with like the emotions of like, wow, Anya, you're le-. like, it, it, it's not like right. an Anya leaving at the end of season three. Right. And she had every right to leave at the end of season three. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was horrific for making her feel bad about that. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I think Clem is like, for sure. I mean, you kind of do want somebody who, and again, He's a comic relief character, so you always it's always like a nice pinch of spice to put in, um to like deliver scary news from like a friendly kind of vaguely comic sort of presence. Right, because he is he is used as almost like he's like delivering her this news, but also like he's like a friend, but like you said, he's not like a, a best friend. It's not like oh, you're leaving. It's like, yeah, you're leaving. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I got I think I feel like Buffy would have had to do a lot more like emotional interrogation, like if it was anyone else. Yeah. And, and also he's been in it enough that it's not like who? Like it's someone who's right. like kind of been around. She likes, but she's not like, but I need you. Um right. she should need Clem, but um yeah, what, what would Clem do in the final battle, I wonder? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Something involving cats. Yeah. I hope Clem is just like in like Palm Springs or something. Just like, I hope he's had, I hope he has a good life. Yeah, I know. Like he did. He's just, he's just like an older queer Palm Springs. Uh, hang out with Ross Matthews. <laughs> the hilarious Clem. Yeah. Um. Um, Sarah, Sarah just sounds also Sarah Michelle. My, my I call her Sarah, dear friend. Um, <laughs> She's got like a little laryngitis. Yes. Yeah. She yeah, sounded she, sick. I kept hearing all that. those speeches. I think finally they got up with her. <laughs> yeah, I I actually put that that I love in her voice because there's a couple episodes like throughout the show where like you can tell Sam Geller was like sick or something and her voice sounds scratchy. I think it sounds super good. I'm like, oh, that voice sounds like sexy. I like it. She right. Like if, if, if this was like an on purpose thing, it would be like, oh, she's transitioning to like um like a Lauren Bacall later yeah. years. Sort of like, <laughs> oh, she's go- this is her very purposely leaving behind the teen roles and she's just like, oh, she's gonna enter into her like seasoned actress. Yes. <laughs> like Carrie Fisher, when Carrie Fisher's voice Yes. Fucking changed. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Hey, Stephen Romo, what do you think of Clem? Well, I remember when I first watched this, I wasn't a giant fan of Clem. I don't mm-hmm. really have a good reason for it, except I think that he ate cats. So I was like, <laughs> that's a bad guy. But um, yeah, I think he was great in, in this scene. First, it like let us actually see people are actually leaving, you know, taking this, this time it's different kind of a, an approach to it. Um, so I thought it was, it was good in this, in this scene. And he's like telling her, I'm sure you'll do fine. Like in delivering it in a sunny way. I thought, yeah, it was done well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I, I love Clem. Um, so we move to the post credits with, uh, Willow and Giles talking to the cops. Uh, Willow's doing a little magic thingy to make them believe that they're with Interpol. I never, I don't think I paid attention that much, but when they, they're pulling that man into the police station, I was like, oh, this is very much like one of those people that got brain, like, 
I, I mean, it's oh. not, but it feels like he could be like one of the guys that was brain sucked by glory, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was, I, this scene is slightly confusing to me. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I was like, wait, glory, glory's bad. Because I, 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 I have rewatched season seven recently, but I watched this episode in particular yesterday. I was like, wait, I don't remember all this. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this happening? <laughs> I do love that they're bad at pretending when he's just like, oh, yeah, we're with Interpol. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just kind of like slip sliding. That's like me and Adam trying to tell one of these lies. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I would hate. No, I couldn't lie. <laughs> you and I, I would mean, be like, terrible. I'm a liar, but like, I mean, like, I couldn't, like, just if it was that high stakes, like, I would immediately just be like, <laughs> like, I would, I would immediately mouth it. Yeah. <laughs> um we get like the the cop is like oh we're itching for whatever and we know that that's the line to like them beating up faith uh and i like that the magic keeps blipping where he like is constantly calling and willow's like giles has to be like she's with me we're gonna leave to get our flight to interpol like i love <laughs> how bad they are <laughs> and as willow and giles are leaving we see that the cops are discussing there's like a wanted a person of interest that's in Sunnydale, which we know is Faith. She goes to see Xander, and I gotta say, hands up, I know that Xander is a capital P problem, but, like, this shit, like, hurts my heart. Like, her and him, like, Buffy has to leave, and when they're doing, like, jokey, like, he's like, oh, I need a parrot so I could be a pirate. And the way Allison Hannigan delivers the, like, yeah, or we could, and then she, like, breaks and, like, stops herself from crying, I think is... I don't know, man. The emotions, like, I still, like, got teared up watching that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that was the, one of the most heartbreaking scenes. I guess because, you know, Buffy starts isolating herself uh, yeah. again in this episode, or continues, I guess, isolating herself. So she takes off when I just want so badly for the core group to, like, congeal. She has, Buffy has all of this um, problem She's got all this tension with Giles ongoing and you just really want those three to just have like a moment together and she takes off and then uh, Willow delivers uh, that line and she tells her she can't do that because, you know, he'll lose it. It's just that really did an effective job of tugging on the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, Adam, I do think that's like, that's very good writing for this show. Like that's how they always write. Um. (laughs) I love that you keep pivoting to me. Adam, writing? Question. Writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does. Um, no, I, th- I I mean, like, I, I, what, what is, I mean, since, since, since you two are so new to the, to the, um, to the recordings here, we can, we can also maybe take a little bit of an overview sometimes about like season seven, like as a whole as well in these moments. And that's kind of something I'm more interested in is we seem to be really like reinvestigating um, some of these like, characters who were with us from the beginning. Um, and I know Ian and I have like from the beginning been like Xander, you know, but um, you know, like obviously like if, when the show was happening, if anything had happened to Xander, it would have been like really, really, yeah. really not good. So like, you know, like uh, um, Roma, what's your like overall feelings about, you know, Xander, like, especially like from, watching it from like an earlier age um watching it when i was it was very shocking to me that they actually did that to xander's eye when i first saw this and there wasn't some type of magical fix that really did um i mean i think it had the effect they wanted it to you know Mm -hmm. a beloved character you know caleb just does something that's not going to change um but until yeah he was getting on my nerves this uh season dawn actually started winning me over this season and you know she wasn't as annoying but Obviously, that changed. I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the episode. But right. the 
um, yeah, Xander had just been getting on my nerves and, you know, the creepy sleepover thing, uh, dream sequence was weird. And then I know when yeah. this happened, I was like, Oh, not my boy Xander. You know, I kind of <laughs> loved him <Same>. again. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, right. Cause it's like, I remember watching it live. I didn't really have much of a problem with Xander until he left Anya at the altar. Like that was unforgivable mm. to me. Oh, yeah. Even like, you know, when you're younger, you don't see the problems as much. But for me, that was like, I loved Anya so much. I was like, nope, I do not like him. But like him getting his eye like crunched out, it still like hurts my feelings because like he's still their best friend. And I, at the end of the day, Buffy and Willow's feelings, like if they're sad, then I'm sad, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, eye trauma is just like so messed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I'm just any anything eyes, I'm just like, no. And I do feel like that's kind of like the most violent the show ever got, right? Like it's like yeah. you get like punched yeah. or maybe like a stab, but it was never like anything. It would be like a stab and but like the the camera pans from like the chest up and the stab is in the belly. So you don't really like see much, but this yeah. felt like this brutal. show had some, the, this season had some graphic, you know, d- deaths yeah. or, you know, attacks. Like, I mean, just from like, um, Halfrick's death, like it, yeah. it, it was oh, yeah. every, like every, like the, the setting around fire, like it was all of these, like these disturbing images that long after, and you know, in season seven, it's not my most favorite season, but I think right. like, a lot of these things uh, from season seven have really lingered in my memory um, since then, where maybe like more favorite seasons maybe yeah. don't as much. Um, yeah. The, I, I mean, even Anya in the finale, right? She gets literally slashed in half. Uh, That's like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't want to talk about that yet. No. <laughs> Not ready for that part. Um, so, um, O'Neill, were you, were you, so you were seven when the show started. Um, <laughs> when, when, when were, how, like, Walk us through. How old were you when when the show ended? I don't. I don't do. Math, I was. But. I was in uh, uh, middle school, and um, <laughs> I was in middle school, so eighth yeah. grade. And um, <laughs> and season seven, there was also like a lot of like personal stuff happening in my in my world then, and so it was kind of um, watching season seven was a little less uh, comforting than it had been, um, just because a lot of you know the cast didn't get as much screen time and um and so yeah it was just kind of an odd odd time in my life anyway but uh yeah i i it's a season that i um i really like the the first half of it i think it gets pretty muddled um in the in the middle there and that but i think it sticks the landing pretty well that steven yeah. that's that's honestly how i feel about the season yeah. two like, i do think it starts off i think people forget it does start off really strong um mm-hmm. and steven romo you said and i agree like they do a lot of good work with dawn this season like she's way more capable and like we don't try to pretend she can fight like buffy but like she's still like willing to like do like what Xander and Willow used to have to do when they like, you know, before Willow had her magic where they just like, okay, well I'm going to help, but I'm probably going to get knocked out or like she can do the watcher thing. And she's like good at, you know, doing that shit. And I think that, I think that's some of the best character work they do this season is like making Dawn uh, a member of the Scoobies and like, not just like someone they have to save all the time. (laughs) Yeah. She can actually look stuff up in a book and not get captured every, every Tuesday. Really appreciated that. And she, she just didn't like whine as much. So I was on board, but so, okay. So then we cut to the summer's basement, which 
I uh, I will say they don't give Anya. I've said this almost last like five episodes. They don't give Anya a lot of screen time. But Emma Caulfield is like, mm. oh, these five lines, I'm going to make sure they're like funny and I like shine in this episode in the five seconds of screen time you're going to give me. Because yeah. uh, I, her and Andrew work really well together. Uh, and I just, I think this is like yeah. a perfect thing for Anya that like she's trying to teach them, but like failing. Also like the gay thing of like, I'm like, oh, that would be me. Like oversharing about her ex while trying to help these teen girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it Emma is. Caulfield like is using this skill to this day with WandaVision, yeah. which was yeah. like, oh, making yeah. the most out of whatever that role was. Yeah, this was, that was something where I'm like, I think like she's definitely like a, you put her in there and like, she kind of just centers every single scene. So yeah. And yeah, Andrew yeah. of course doesn't hurt that scene uh, either. Her little, uh, ba- they were the pair. I didn't know I needed this season. Loved Andrew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's funny. Cause people I- I've, I've noticed people feel can feel strongly about like thinking he takes up too much time as a new character in the mix. But like, I think he's, I think him and Anya work well together. I almost wish they would have realized it earlier on because their scenes almost feel like the scenes we wish we were getting with the Scoobies that like they're doing too much, too many things at once. So we really can't, but like Andrew and Anya scenes like are like funny and remind me of like older Buffy episodes. I don't know. This is where I get very like, um, this is where I get very snooty, but it's very Rosencrantz and Gildan's turn um, where it's just like, there's this very serious shit going all around them. And you kind of do need the comedy duo. Yeah. Having like the one comedy character maybe isn't enough. I think you need the like when they show up, you're like, oh, okay, we're not gonna have to like hold our breath during this. Right. Scene. No one's dying here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they change that in the finale. Um Right. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. One thing I did hate about this scene though, just as a little nerd, was that they sort of changed the mythology of the Uber vamps. Like they can suddenly be staked and holy water doesn't work on them which is not at all what we saw i think I, showtime i guess when she buffy first faced off so i was that bothered me as a little nerd but it didn't bother me as much mm. i guess because i knew it was coming this time that uh, that's always bothered me too and i think it's because they know we now have an army of these vamps that we have to fight and right. um they can't be impossible to kill if there's an entire army but yeah they kind of uh go back on what we had seen so far. Well, I think they kind of plot wise kind of needed to, to get to the finale of like, yes, we can have everyone fighting the Uber. I mean, still doesn't quite make sense, but like that way it's like, they're kind of being like, Oh, we did research and now we've learned even though, yeah, it doesn't quite track, but I think that's to try to almost like retcon what they had just done five episodes ago, which is a weird retcon to do, but like to make it so they can be killed slightly easier. So it's not like, Buffy fighting for her life, fighting each one of those bajillion vamps in the Hellmouth. Because I definitely think they were just like prepping for that. It's like, uh, let's give a little brief thing to talk about that. I think I also know in these last uh, noticed in these last few episodes, they always it's like they are preparing you for the finale by like reminding you of things that will be that you need to know going into the finale. So this almost feels like they're reminding you of the Uber vans, giving you an explainer, but an explainer that's like a newly retooled explainer on them to work for the finale rather than because it, I mean, it still doesn't make much sense, but like, you know, Anya slashes an Uber vamp and kills it in the finale. So we needed to like rewrite that a little bit. Although I still stand by that they could have just said with Willow's magic spell. Also, all their weapons became like stronger or something like 
to reason yeah. on doing that. Yeah, I mean, good point. It's I did not even didn't even occur to me too because I think by the time we got to this point in season seven, I was so twenty percent checked out um, that I was just like, sure, yes, the, the one was hard to kill, and then many are very easy to kill. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when there's one, it's harder. When there's a lot, it's way easier. That well, yes, sense. um, yeah, they were. It was sort of one was that was very special, and then Buffy showed them, and then now they all lost their confidence, and that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the a lot of the potentials leave. Kennedy goes upstairs, and all right. First, before we before we get into this, Stephen Romo, uh, what is I need your uh, what's your Kennedy hot take? How do you feel about Kennedy? Oh, I really. I did not like Kennedy when I first watched it. I didn't. Well, I mean, I love Tara so much, so it's really hard to to have Kennedy yeah. come in there with. It seemed quick, even when I was, you know, a kid watching this. I was like, "Hold up, that's not cool." You know, <laughs> Tara, she's yeah. freshly gone. Um, so I think that was probably a lot of the reason why. And they tried to make her so different than Willow and Tara, and I, you know, she's just. I don't want to say bratty, but you know, just. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, Kennedy Kennedy had to suffer from, like, stepmom syndrome. Like, yes. it was very, like, yes. you're not my mom. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, like, any of the, you know, in general, like, I feel like I have, like, no ability to be to even or fair or, or get an overview on, on Kennedy because I'm just so, like, this whole plot point is unacceptable. Because <laughs> I, I, will, I will defend her only because... I think sometimes, and you know, we all do this. Like, get a, we get a little like precious about like yeah. the couples that we love on a show. And I think for me, I just view it as like this like hot young top who is like Willow. Do you want to get like <laughs> fucked before the end of the world? I'm a slayer. I'll be a good lay. Like, who would say what? no? Whom's among us would be like, no, thank you. It's the end of the world, and I need to concentrate <laughs> on being terrified. Right. Plus, you just like saying the opposite. <laughs> no, I don't. I I really feel like they're they because they're not like we don't have to like have them saying I love you. For me, that's like because on shows we have a lot of trouble like having a casual relationship, and for me, right. it feels more casual, and that's why like even watching it, it never bothered me. Like I I don't particularly love her. I think she's the best of the potentials, though. Yeah, keeping like they're they, like I feel like yeah, it was. Willow and Tara were very like OTP yeah. uh, in love, true love. And then Kennedy's just like, listen, we're not going to put a, you know, strings on this. And this is going to be very, <laughs> you know, low key. Well, Kennedy, the original Che Diaz. Maybe. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Why would I not see that connection? Wow. <laughs> I appreciate your perspective on her. Um, I, at, you know, in the every time I rewatch Buffy season seven, I kind of look at it differently. But one constant is um, I do not like Kennedy. And I, <laughs> you know, obviously loved Willow and Tara, but it's not even because I miss Tara so much. I just find Kennedy to be a very. Um, unlikable annoying character so I, I hope willow had her fun but um she just she bothers me a lot <laughs> i'd be i'd be fun. shocked if if we did if you did like a if you did like a, a 20 20 years later where they you know like a revisit um i don't know what, the, I don't know what we call those shows now i don't know re revamp whatever right where where is it when the show comes back what's the word revival Revival. I'm being a nanny. People here. annoyingly yeah. still use reboot, but that's not the it's correct true, word. But right now, it's always the different word. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if we did like a revival and it's like, hey, here's every, I would be gagged if she was still with Kennedy. Oh, right. no. I, yeah. I feel like 
her, like, even in the comics, the Dark Horse comics that continued the show, like, the comics started with them being broken up. And, like, she's a Slayer that will help Buffy, you know, they are, like, whatever mission they're on if they need another Slayer. And, like, the comics that, like, for me, that's how I viewed Kennedy. So that's why she didn't bother me so much. Like, I viewed them as, like, right. not a forever, like, all right, let's just, like, fuck. Sure. She needed her for that, like, year, year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, in the comics, they have Kennedy. She, like, starts, like, a security uh, company with other Slayer girls that, like, they'll, like, do celebrity security. And, like, that tracks. I don't know. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, but so we get this moment, and I feel it's weird. Like, Faith doesn't get a lot of doesn't get a lot of scenes in you know she comes back but it's she doesn't get a lot to do um but in the previous episode in dirty girls she gets a very good scene with spike and this scene with kennedy i do feel like they have chemistry they have like good chemistry here like but faith is like so hot and like i feel like she has chemistry with almost everybody she like encounters um <laughs> but it really was like oh the like two hot top slayers like getting along we love to see it like <laughs> right Amanda comes out and she's like, do you think there's going to be questions about her sex life on the quiz? Which I really liked. But yeah, I like these faith scenes. We don't get a lot of them, but like, it's just, you know, her and the girls. And she's definitely the, like, she's definitely the cool mom of the Slayers, right? Like Buffy's oh, the yeah. like, not fun mom. And faith is the cool one. And, you know, came, yeah. yeah, I was so glad. I know she didn't come back in this, in this episode, but faith being back, um, this season I was so hyped about and yeah. rewatching it still am just to see her back. She was on angel before I was watching them at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, but this time just watching Buffy, I was like, you just want to stand up and cheer. And I just want everyone to get along and accept faith <laughs> and it all to go great. And it seems like it might go that direction, uh, until this episode. Right. I, you know, Steven, you bring up a good point. Cause I feel like that's what I wanted too. It's like, yeah, I know they're going into battle. We don't need the like, Buffy's being voted out. Is Faith going to be like, we didn't, I don't think we, mm -hmm. I understand that Buffy and Faith never like had a moment to work through their shit. So like Buffy would still feel yeah. some kind of way that's maybe not positive about Faith, but I do wish we didn't have to have to have this like rift with the characters because ultimately she just comes right. back and then it's like, we're fine. There's no like discussion of like, hey, you motherfuckers kicked me out of my own house. Like, oh my God. Everyone, well, everyone in this house apologized to me right now or I'm never helping again. Oh, like, you're, oh please. If, oh God, if somebody did this to you, Ian, <laughs> 10 years later, we'd still be having yeah. to discuss it. Um, <laughs> um, I love you. Um, it's, it's, I think it's more because uh, I, I didn't watch Angel and I, I still haven't. So now I, mm -hmm. I feel like this is, you know crappy era to begin um watching a uh, buffy verse show but right. um but uh so i feel like i was not working with that information with faith because the last time i'd seen faith she mm. was like fully body thieving right buffy, like, oh yeah consent like you know tons of bad stuff you know like i feel like i didn't get that like arc with her where it was like wait she's just kind of back to like early season three faith where she's just like, Hey, yeah. I do things a little differently around here. I was like, you the murdering. And <laughs> one thing that I have kind of found interesting about uh, Faith's journey and trajectory is they do a lot of like the redemption stuff on angel with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that her and angel were like the characters we really cared about their, how, you know, their relationship 
began and end. And I feel like they do a lot of the redemption, like her getting out of jail and stuff like that over on Angel, which I always thought was a little odd. Yeah. And like, I'm, it's either Steven. Uh, I do really like her. Like, Angel can be hit or miss for me, but I, I think she always worked really well on Angel. And like, they did really like a good job with the redemption arc on Angel. Would you boys agree? Yeah, they did. They, they did. They laid the seeds for what happens in Buffy. And it never really occurred to me that someone would watch just one and not the other because I was so obsessed. So Adam Sass has <laughs> blown my mind yet again. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Angel, but it was her, her. I always sort of related to Faith more because I felt like, you know, I was sort of a, a neglected kid. So if I had developed superpowers, I would probably be more like Faith and go through a journey and choosing to become good. I feel like for Faith is a bigger deal than Buffy because she had joys, she had uh, friends, she had a support system and, and Faith didn't have all that. So I just, even as a kid, related more to her and wanted her to come back around. And uh, of course, what happens in the subsequent episodes, she gets blown up and falls into this trap spoiler alert um, <laughs> for the next episode but it's you know i i was really like on pins and needles for faith journey just as much as i was for buffy's by the end of all this okay yeah. so real quick i need to defend myself um, <laughs> okay because there's a reason um so slayer fest nerds will know this because this is way back in season two of this show um we did my buffy origin story um and so th the reason why i have not seen angel is actually literally homophobia um <laughs> so it's basically long story short like so i i grew up in like a very 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 like small small farmy illinois town and um uh when season four premiered and the angel series premiere was back to back they watched, they, they showed those episodes and then my town, my county cut out WB. Like they just like fully were wow. just, we're done with it. So for years I was unable to find, I, like for years, my Buffy knowledge ended with like the freshman. <laughs> um, wow. I didn't know anything that happened in season four, five, six, seven, the end, anything, uh, nothing in Angel. So I, I watched the first episode of Angel and I was like, oh, I, I would have watched it. I would have, you know, seen all of this stuff. And then by the time I got to the rest of Buffy, I was like in college and this was like, and I, I had to, like, I, there was no other, there was no, like this is back in my day. Like there was no, <laughs> you had, there was no Netflix where you could even Netflix the discs. So it was all like, um, like you had to pay the old school box set price per season. So it was like 50 bucks for every yeah. season you've missed. And so I, I really only had the money for, it. you know, really it's, it really it's um, income inequality. That's the reason. Um, <laughs> but um, so anyway, that's my reason for it. And then I, and then I, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> homophobia. And it's, it's really the evils of the world. So, and then, and then just like time went on and then I just, you know, never got into the, you know, just missed, yeah. missed the boat. Yeah, I didn't I didn't fully I don't think I don't think I fully started like obsessively watching Angel until season four when I knew, oh, this is gonna be a last season of Buffy, but it's not the last season of Angel. So like prior to that I would like catch it sometimes. Right. Um but that's when I was like, oop, now I gotta start. That's when I like then I was taping Angel on VHS two, like because I was like, I gotta have something. And then I knew that I would at least get <laughs> right. one more season in like and in I, that universe. I feel like Angel was like every time I would hear about like, oh, someone showed up again, 
Um, it felt very like the Simpsons uh, spinoff showcase where they were like, <laughs> it would we be watching like the the Skinner and Wiggum show, and then it was like <laughs> the Simpsons, like, and it was like Andrew, what are you doing? And it, my old friend Willow has come to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> um, but so, okay. So, uh, oh, Buffy comes home. She's got the, they go through the files. I, I realized I didn't put this in my notes and I can't remember why the fuck does she need to go back to the high school? Do we like, she, Ooh, good she question. just says she has to go pick some stuff up. So whatever she needed for her counseling gig, I guess. Okay, fair. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I know she, like, I just put, like, oh, she goes back to school. In my brain, I was like, wait a minute, what's she going back there for? Oh, so it's, like hu- it's like human stuff. Like, she needs, like, folders. And <laughs> folders, uh, you know, folders. Yeah, fo- fo- um, stapler. Staples. <laughs> uh, so she goes to the school. Um, I actually do like this encounter here. It reminded me a little bit of uh, when Glory goes to Buffy's house in season five. Oh, yeah. Um, because I do like uh, a villain hero moment where it's like, they're ki- I mean, Brendan, he also throws her through the window and into the wall, but like they're having like a, uh, like he's like a cat with his prey, right? It's like, he's come there just to taunt. He doesn't, he has no intention of like killing her in this moment. He just wants to like kick her ass a little, I guess. Um, so I do like that. Um, I, sometimes his hand fisted sexism is like a little bit too much. Uh, I don't know how y'all, Adam, how, Adam, Adam, you haven't been on since Caleb has been on the show. So I don't know what you <laughs> feel about Caleb. Actually. I'm Caleb. Um, you know, it's weird. I uh, Speaking of boats I've missed, I also missed the Nathan Fillion boat. Um, yeah. I'm always like, I appreciate how everyone enjoys him. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, like I'm also a little like, mm, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. It felt very not my favorite of the bads. Caleb in general felt like sort of an underbaked idea. Kind of yeah. like a, felt like a Stephen King kind of idea. Like, ooh, the, the, the reverend is... Is, or the, like the, the like the demon is in the, the priest or whatever, um, you know, and um, it, it's uh, you know, but was was effective because I do think you do need like a, a consistent human face. It couldn't just be right. um, the I was about to say the Urukai. Um I'm like <laughs> <laughs> the thing they were taking from, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Uber vamps, and then then you had the first, which would, would just look like anybody. Um, so I do think, yeah, like they did need like a, a regular human face. So like, yeah, like normal, just felt like normal. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that, that kind of became like a usual Buffy sort of mini villain to have this sort of like sexist man, yeah. um, menacing, um, all of the women in the show. Yeah, definitely half baked is a great way to put it. I didn't know what he wanted. Like the bad guy needs to want something, and it was so vague. He wanted Uber vamps to to rise up, and also wanted women to not exist. Or I don't know. It was I didn't I could never tell what he yeah. wanted. So I wasn't a big <laughs> fan of him. Plus, he like he was he was like kind of Freddy Kruegerish with his jokes. Yes. Yeah, very creepy. I um, you know, Nathan Fillion has a certain charm, even when he's being uh, right. terrible and disgusting. So, um, and I, you know, I think that was the era where they were just coming from Firefly, which I didn't watch like in real time. Um, yeah. So I didn't even know who he was really, but I thought he was like a decent enough, s- scary, physical threat. 
um, to kind of get through the final few yeah. episodes. I mean, you and Adam make a good point. They did need to put like a face. Uh, there needed to be like something she could punch, but also something that like, because the Uber vamps are just monsters, right? They're, the Uber vamps and the bringers aren't like punning and like someone saying, who wasn't from like the creature department, right? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> the creature department. That's really yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah, right. Because it wouldn't have worked, right? If it was just if right. it was just those monsters, it like I don't know. She couldn't have a conversation with one of those monsters. Well, because like the villains in Buffy had been so, even if they had been sort of humanoid Mm -hmm. um or you know like i guess if you have adam in season four you know and season four is its own sort of like muddy villain it should have been maggie but then no yeah um you know but even he could talk right like he's still like he could take a personality there was like again there was just sort of like there was you know emotion there there was something to like connect to there was something um yeah so I, i do think that but like I just would have brought him in from the beginning. I don't like, I feel yes. like that's another thing where I'm like, yeah. Um, Cause ooh, hope you're sitting down. I'm about to bring up Twin Peaks. Um, Twin Peaks season <laughs> two suffers from this um, where they have a great. So like in, in, in season two, which was their last season, they were canceled unceremoniously. Um, they resolved the, who killed Laura Palmer mystery, like early on um, because they were literally forced to, because back then nobody knew what to do with a unresolved which I still um, say is one of the best episodes of television. I think that's a great correct, episode of the series. Correct, exactly. Um, it's it's weird. It's one of the best things Bob Hydra's ever done. Um, is force <laughs> his hand on that. But um, but uh, anyway, like so, like there was a, there was a pocket of time, like eight episodes after that, where they were treading water before they got to their really good villain before, and it just was like, oh, if they had just introduced that villain earlier and stronger it wouldn't have been too little too late playing catch up. Um, So it has the same vibe where it's like, ah, we had a lot of, we had a lot of soft middle there where we really could have used sort of a, a a Saruman type. Yeah. Like person dictating all of the creatures where they were going, Um, acting on behalf of the unseen evil. That's really what Caleb is doing. He's doing the Saruman role. So Mm. that's why, Two Towers holds up because it's, it's Saruman's show and it's in the middle where things start to get a little formless. Yeah. So I do yeah. think that would have been maybe a better, like had they just brought him in earlier and then, but I know, I don't know how much you could even use filling at that point, but. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like in Angel, they brought in um, Gina Torres. Cause I, one assumes they were like, it's like, Oh, we got Firefly got canceled. So let's put, cause they both, I just went through Firefly on the Patreon and it was my first time going through it. And I, I was a hard sell at first, but I did eventually like they were two of the best actors on that show. So it made mm. sense to like, oh, I want to bring them to my other shows because they are both very good actors. Um, but it's weird because both their roles are like this. Like Gina Torres's role is the last three episodes of Angel. She comes in as the big bad and it's like, eh, like why, why do I care about this? Li- yeah, it's like too late. Um, and I'm yeah, I, I, you're right, Adam. He would work better if. Not even like he's there all the time, but just like we got hints of him and like glimpses of like two strong like the, the mayor two yeah. strong episodes in the beginning, a strong episode in the in the middle, yeah, um, a couple at the end, and then you just and then he's in for a shot right. throughout um, the others. I, I know it all probably boils down to like you got to pay the actor per episode, etc. When they were trying yeah, to yeah. Money. but storytelling wise, that like I I would rather they had maybe gone that road, especially if he was not going to maybe be the final final big bad but i think that's enough of a that would have really given this season some form 
Yes, and I think that that's another good point, Adam, is that he isn't the final. He's still not even, the like, he comes in for these last four or five episodes, and he's still not really the final fight. And I think it would have been fine, because, again, if you take the Saruman route with that, like, we know he is acting on behalf of a larger boss that we can't see. Um, And so I think that would have been fine. I think, yeah, I just, it's it's one of those, it's, it's one of those things where I think you just... Oh, we really needed like a villain right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I mean, she's our hero, right? I do appreciate that Buffy like isn't like she's getting her ass kicked, but she's like not really phased by him at this point. And that's a Buffy that does feel earned that even though he's as strong as glory when she's fighting him, she's not she doesn't ever like seem that terrified of him. She's more like annoyed at him. Right. And she like wants to kick his ass. God, yeah. I mean, because she's faced down you know jobs and her best friend and everything yeah we've seen like it's it's hard to get somebody that like kind of get somebody even more mythic for her to face because they had done frankly like too good of a job in the prior seasons yeah like buffy's not gonna be gooped like she's just not that's the thing like i feel like it would have been i feel like the show is most effective on a villain level when she is facing herself as the first um Hmm. which we can get to in the finale but so I do, you know, she does say, I guess I'm just ornery right before he like fucking throws her through the window. I remember this being in like all the previews. I remember seeing that scene and being like, ah, but then he just kind of leaves her, right? Because they're, they're not quote unquote ready or whatever. And he says something stupid, like he's going to enjoy taming her um, and just kind of like leaves her with like that dent in the wall, cut back to the summer's house. And this is like another scene where Andrew works really well, right? Because Giles and Dawn are going through the files And Andrew is complaining that Faith ate his Hot Pocket, which I have to mention, Tom Lank, me and Philip Ellis, who's one of our co-hosts, we interviewed Tom Lank a month ago or a few weeks ago for Storyteller. And this is, he, I couldn't remember where the scene was, but he said that in this scene, he actually sang the Hot Pockets theme, like the commercial (laughs) theme when delivering this line, he just sang the word Hot Pockets and they made him re-record it for the audio because they like, didn't have the rights to the jingle, so he couldn't sing <laughs> the song, oh, <laughs> which I love. UPN, God damn it! Like, right. whatever five dollars that probably was. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like two notes. Like, and also, Hot Pockets probably would have loved the promo. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like, at the time, some, it was uh, like product placement. Because Faith pops in eating that Hot Pocket, I think. In yeah. The next yeah. That's the thing, because I feel like at the time whether it's Jim Gaffigan or something, it was like the butt of the comedian's jokes, like how crummy it was. Yeah. (laughs) So like, yeah, anybody who's willing to talk about it in a, in a not like, this is revolting way. (laughs) Like, (laughs) in a like, I wanted that kind of way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But I do like that, like Giles and Dawn are like trying very hard to ignore Andrew and he's like continually bringing up the food. And I, I love a frustrated Giles because that's, that does remind me of you, Adam. When you said you were oh, late God. to the, when he's like, please shut up and just pay attention. Like, he's like, go away. I've had it with you. Yeah. You are annoying. God, I'm such a Giles. Like, no, I'm probably most Giles in the Dead Man's Party episode. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I don't, I still relate to like, or anything in season three. I feel like season three Giles is just rare for me. <laughs> yes. Like, just... Like, like, ugh, about everything anybody's saying. Like, like my favorite moment 
in gingerbread when Cordelia like slaps him awake and she's like, one of these days you're gonna wake up in a coma. And he's like, wake <laughs> up moment. in a oh, that's <laughs> like, the moment. That's always thinking that's very yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just like, never mind. Um, no, I think I have it saved to my phone as like one of my like top ten reacts is I think in I think it's in Dead Man's Party where he's uh, when they're talking to um where he's talking to Oz and Cordelia and he's just like, yes, worse. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> my whole like identity for the last year. <laughs> so he wants to send spike to look at this monastery and i will say i still don't like we're adding a lot of plot here that like doesn't matter right like Stephen o'neill quick pop quiz for you <laughs> what are they sending them there for do you know can you say off the top of your head <laughs> they are there's a symbol that was maybe caleb's symbol that gets is burned into the wood and they got this from the Sunnydale police because the Sunnydale police wants to work with Interpol. (laughs) None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. There's a symbol. I know that much. But right. It is kind of like, I don't know. They're going to investigate something. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I really appreciated that Buffy actually said that. Like it helped me make sense of it. She said, told Giles, like you sent Spike away so you could ambush me. And I was like, Oh, that's the whole reason why we get to hear Andrew and Spike talk about the blooming onions. Like that will make sense. (laughs) I mean, and it is a good scene. It is. Uh, (laughs) But so, yeah. So he sends Spike away and tells him to take Andrew because Andrew's annoying him. <laughs> then we like get the quick blip of like everyone dancing at the bronze and we get the Kennedy and Dawn bit of her saying like, what kind of band plays during the apocalypse? And she's like, I think this band might be one of the signs because it's the band that does the theme song. The bronze's rant must be nothing. The fact that they've stayed <laughs> open. This long. Right. I was thinking so about true. that. I was one like, do you think the bronze closed during the pandemic? I think they're still going. <laughs> no, it was a super spreader every night. I right, every, every, every night. Every night. And the patrons are just like, yeah, I might die at the bronze. That's new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to that club where like five people at night are murdered. <laughs> yeah, the bronze is really packed. And uh, and you're like, wow, I'm surprised people would behave this way in an apocalypse. But then you uh, right. realize we just went through an apocalypse and that's sort of how people behaved. So I, okay, I guess they were onto something. There was, God, there was one episode where like, like a werewolf comes through and just like starts mauling people in the bronze. And I was just like, don't they remember that two weeks ago this happened? The same thing? And, I'm, and then I'm like walking down Santa Monica Boulevard and I'm just like, oh, everyone's back at the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's like all the things that we thought were stupid like that. It's like, now they don't seem so stupid. It just seems like, yeah, that's how that would go. That's, that's right. Now the stupid show is our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy comes home. She's pissed. She, like you said, Stephen, she says to Giles, like you sent Spike away, blah, blah, blah. Um, I do love, I love how consistently she doesn't like Andrew because he's like, well, I sent Andrew with him. She's like, again, I'm still worried. This is a mission that you want him to die on. Um, and I, but I, again, I hate the fighting. I, I hate that she's like, I can't trust the decisions you make when I'm not like, I, I hate that shit. Um, because we don't get a like resolution. It's just kind of like yeah. in the finale understandably and this does track with buffy i think her personality that she's like i don't need to talk about it we're good let's just keep moving because buffy has got a lot going on and a lot of times she doesn't have time like when spike would want to talk all the time about their relationship she'd be like no either we're fucking or shut up i that's it um 
But I mean, right, that was their dynamic in season six. It's like either fuck or shut up. I don't care what you're saying. I know. It is that Twitter hot where you're just like, will you get back to posting your chest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we cut to the bronze. Um, Faith takes Amanda's drink away because she's 17 and drunk. I do like this scene. I do. Uh, I like that we get to see the potentials. This is kind of like the, one of the only scenes so far where the potentials have been like, you know, they're having fun. They're even like confronting that police officer. Um, I hate seeing Faith get like beaten up by all of the police officers at once. I feel like that's like very brutal. Um, they get locked in. I almost wish they hadn't been like, oh, it's the Hellmouth making them do this because, you know. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it makes no sense. The po- yeah. yeah. Yeah, it only affects <laughs> the police and no one else. Yeah. So I, but I do like, we get like Kendi and Dawn like fighting back. I do like, we get Dawn being scrappy. I, this reminded me, Stevens, I don't know if you boys watched Lost, but Adam and I did. We bring up Lost a lot. This reminded me of one of those Lost moments, Adam, where it's like, if you would stop yelling at each other and just talk about what happened, maybe oh there wouldn't God. be a fight. Lost every right? <laughs> second. Someone was like, why are you doing this? And then someone would always go, um, someone would always say, that doesn't matter. Right. I to, and I, it, 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 they would always say that doesn't matter. And I was like, yeah. just, and, and I'm just, and I'm, I'm, I'm always just like, I can see the writer sitting there. <laughs> and it's 3 a.m. And this fucking script was due. <laughs> and they just were like, I know this should be asking that question. I just am going to have them ask that question and then have someone say it doesn't matter. That's all <laughs> I can do at this point. I'm out of time. And Adam and I love Lost, so we're not saying it's, it's a show we love, but like that is oh, always was a problem on Lost. <laughs> always. <laughs> or like, I'm mad at you for this. And then the person would like mysteriously look, but then there'd be an explosion off to the side. So then they just never talk about something that would have been easily explainable. Because I feel like, if Faith had just said, like, oh, the, the Hellmouth made the cops evil, they attacked all of us, that's why you walked up on me, like, kicking the shit out of these cops, like, right? It feels like that could Right. Have it, it feels like an easily explainable situation. Like, I, I think in gen, this isn't just like, this is like every, this is like a lot of shows where, yeah. or movies where they'll just be like, where they just really need someone to have misunderstood and, and <laughs> to, to like move the, the plot along. And it's always like someone tries to like explain and they just go, don't bother explaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's an easy, uh, interesting read. I, um, maybe, you know, I could, I guess I could read it as a faith, not feeling like she should have to justify herself to Buffy right now. Like, you know, and of course she was just attacked and it wasn't her fault, but I think the whole scene is a little, um, it's strange. It's like they needed a fight scene because they weren't going to get like a big, you know, yeah, brawl right. at the end. So they needed Faith to fight someone, and you know, I'm I, I it's fun to watch her beat up uh, uh, cops. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like they wanted like to have like a Faith beats up cop situation. And they were like, ah, oh, the cops are going to get upset about this if we don't moralize her at the end. So they yeah, have like the yeah. whole part where Buffy's like, how dare? <laughs> right, because also then it does seem like 
And I, I couldn't believe when Faith says it at the end when she's like, someone who thinks they're a cop, it very much feels that way with Buffy coming in. I mean, like wagging her finger, sending the girls home and like no one was doing anything wrong. They were literally attacked by these cops. Right. It does feel very Buffy the cop, which I don't love. <laughs> yeah, um, she's like sharing memes on Facebook and you're like, no. <laughs> like, no, don't think that. Don't no, do that. Yeah. I love you too I much. Think Why are you doing this? Even, <laughs> if those cops were, even if the cops didn't bother showing up there, I think Buffy still would have acted this exact same way. She was mad yeah. they were partnering at the bronze to begin with. It's just this way we got some type of fight scene. You know, I actually put that in my notes because Buffy says like, oh, I understand blowing off steam. And I'm like, does she? Because she has not let these potentials do like anything fun. Like it's always train, go to bed. Where's your lesson? Like, are you training? Like there's no like, hey guys, take a break. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you kind of, and you kind of think uh, how Buffy used to be um, with Giles, and you know after so many apocalypses, though I guess you really you're like no fun anymore. Let's just, <laughs> just and you know let's <laughs> just end this, please. <laughs> I think that's why she's just so excited. She like needs to just like kill Caleb. Like, can we just? I'm over this. Well, I mean, like, she was ripped out of heaven, and so, like, living on Earth is hell to her, so she's really just, even though she's, like, maybe turned a corner emotionally from from where she was in season six, she is still, like, every moment listening to any of you is murder. (laughs) That's us on Twitter, Adam. (laughs) It's very nihilistic, yeah, I think a little bit of just, like, all right, I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, 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 you got to say the thing that I don't want to hear and don't care about. Let me right. say the thing. It's important. Stupid. Not yeah. <laughs> so then we get uh, Spike and Andrew. I guess I forgot to mention we do get I, I love the visual of like Andrew holding on to Spike with the same helmet Dawn wore when like it was him and Dawn on the motorcycle. <laughs> and I do think. Andrew works well with a lot of the characters. And when we get these moments, like I, I really I, I feel like watching this i'm like oh i would watch an andrew and spike spinoff show like they would be good together um so they're in the monastery that uh steven explained to us is like maybe they're looking for a symbol Eh." i do like andrew they like have the one uh priest that they like is attacking them but not really and andrew's like i'll be playing the part of bad cop which is uh the way the way andrew is i think if a straight guy had been playing this character it would have felt homophobic (laughs) Adam, do you agree with that? I mean, of course. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's only like a few straight actors playing gay that I've like ever like approved in my lifetime. But um, yeah, I I think definitely like it's hard because I feel like sometimes um, I was was watching uh, uh, Freaky with my roommate um, and it was Mm -hmm. like and it was to the point where like where my roommate didn't know that like the people behind them the movie were okay. queer and then she was just like is this offen-? like she kept looking to me like being like i think it's offensive and i was like no it's no it's it's just it's just you know it's, it's like they're vamping it's, it's it's a little campy and you know but it, yeah. it, it, it's hard it's it's definitely like why you need the nuance of like maybe like a queer person to doing it because like sometimes it does ride that line of like okay this is okay because you yourself are queer but well, and like the, you know, Jana Spenson told me when she, like, we did a brief interview for a storyteller that like they did change. Andrew's character was originally supposed to be the leader of the trio, but they liked Tom Lank so much that they cast him and they literally changed the role to be more like him. Uh, so for me, that's like 
where this writing is like, Wrong. oh, they were definitely writing for Tom Lanks, like, his, right. like the way he is, and that's why this works. Like shit like this of him being like totally useless, not helpful at all, but like jokey about like I'm the bad cop. Ooh, like very like it works. It works for me. <laughs> yeah, because I think like this the Andrew in season six in the first half. Yes. Is different than Andrew season six in the second half, which is way different than season seven, Andrew. So yeah. I think it's very clear that they started out being like, here's Andrew, straight nerd. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, very quickly, really eyeballing women in the first half of season six. Like, and then it just very, very rapidly changes behind the scenes. Yes. <laughs> so we they read whatever this priest shows them the 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 thing that Stephen mentioned they were going for, I guess. And I'm still not clear. Clearly it's talking about the scythe, but I'm not sure like why this matters, but it's like they say like what does it say? What it says is it is not for thee, it is for her alone to wield. And like all right, I get it, but uh, right, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they don't. Exactly like, Buffy it. doesn't ever seem to learn about that. She just go. She ends up going, goes and finds right. it on her own, and it it just seemed like a, a random diversion for for Andrew and Spike. So, yeah, the only thing I learned from that was the uh, the onion blossom bit, which I had not tried an onion blossom until hearing them talk about it, and uh, yeah, they're delicious. I you know I will say I had not tried one until literally like I think for my mom's no for my for father's day i think me and mm. my parents went to wherever the steakhouse is that has that and i was okay. like oh this is the thing andrew and spike like like i was literally thinking of that <laughs> as we were eating <laughs> that's weird because i mean growing up in the midwest it was like onion blossom fucking from birth yeah do you think you can get out back to sponsor the podcast <laughs> there we go yeah <laughs> i'm like well we do bring up your blooming onion so if you would like to be sponsored by us <laughs> uh so we cut back to the summer's house okay every time i've watched this season and i've been saying this a lot i feel differently about buffy specifically um because i do i, I go back and forth but like here and this reading i do think while the outcome of this scene is not earned at all. She is being a dick, right? Like she's being so weirdly insistent upon like, no, we have to go back and do this to like the mission we just did where it failed. Xander Lawson, I, you know, people were murdered and right. like, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm wondering because so we get the thing specifically that I'm like, we need to talk about this is Anya gives her the, you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it speech right after Buffy says this can't be a democracy. So I don't like anything of what's going on here. What do we all think of what Anya says? Um, Adam, I'm curious at your thoughts, what Anya, because I love Anya, but like here I'm like, mm. yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement. I mean, in general, I'm just, it's just, it, I'm not loving the like sort of single mindedness of this, but I, I obviously I don't think like this should have led to like, she's got to go. Right. Um, so I feel like, yeah, this definitely is, you know, especially coming off of like Buffy the Cop, like having it be like a, none of you have a voice um, is, you know, maybe not, you know, wasn't the best way to go about it. But also like, I understand her being like super over it, but. Yeah. 
I thought it was weird. Her, she said, uh, "You're luckier than us." I mean, Buffy's she died twice. Like, I don't know how lucky that is. It just seemed it was very. Uh, it was like overly simplified. Like the the lines that were drawn. Like instead of saying, uh, Faith says, "Like we need proof before we go back there." Instead of saying, "Okay, let's do some recon. Let's get some proof." They're like, "No, it's our way or the highway." It just seemed very. I don't know, sloppily written, I guess, or very hastily written. Yeah, I, I feel like the writers a few times go to like weird moments where Buffy and Anya are like pretty horrible to each other. And yeah. I never really understood like that dynamic when it gets that because I, I also don't think their relationship was ever built up enough to warrant that. So yeah, I, I'm, um, I think they just needed, uh, it's like Anya's always going to say this thing everyone's thinking, I guess. But I, yeah, I don't think this speech really um, makes too much sense. I, I don't think her justifications for being so upset and yeah, saying Buffy is, is luckier than them. Um, it doesn't really track. So I find I find I fall somewhere in that middle because I get what Anya's trying to say. Like, you were born to be a slayer, but... I feel like to say she didn't earn it, you're like forgetting that she has died twice for you, motherfuckers. She has like saved you from every apocalypse. I, it's hard to say you didn't earn the leadership and powers that you have because like at this point she has, but I get like, if we're talking about like, she was born into this, you're just kind of born into it. But like, it just just doesn't seem like it's Anya's character. Like I feel like we're entering a a, a rocky part of the river where every character stops being themselves for like a second. Yeah. I don't know who would have said that. Maybe Faith would have said that. Maybe even Xander could have said that dealing with his, his stuff, but I don't know. I just don't feel like, I feel like Anya's role is the, I'm going to crack wise. And I don't really have much of an, like, I, I don't see her having this much of an opinion on it. Right. Like I don't see her caring that much. Right. Like her just being like, well, these, these, everyone's fighting, whatever. Let me get a snack. Like, right. But so we also get, you know, when Buffy's like being extra stubborn, Faith even says like, or learn their names. Ooh, and like, yeah. she, she's not wrong there. Right. Like, no, that hit so, hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say when I, I remember being so excited, like you, Stephen, for Faith to come back. And when I watched this live, like, I definitely read it as Faith was purposely trying to like the way Buffy reads it as like, Oh, this is all on purpose. Faith's trying to take over. And I definitely read it that way. Like I remember like when she punches Faith at that scene being like, yeah, she should punch Faith. How dare she talk to Buffy like that? But like now as an adult watching it, I'm like, Ooh, Faith is a little bit right here. Right? Like Faith isn't trying. And I don't think she is at all to try to take over. It's just like the girls are like, we like her better. She's fun, fun aunt right? rather than like cop mom. Like, so I, I, I don't think faith is at fault here because she's not, she's like, she even says like, Oh, Buffy just needs to chill out for a second. Like, she's not like, let's vote her out. She's like, just like chill. And we'll talk yeah. about this once you've thought about it. And that's like, the, the thing this show does well is characters like faith or like spike or normally like Anya that are more on the outskirts that can read this group for filth because they're not like as emotionally invested as like Willow and Buffy and Xander and Giles who have this, like all this like emotional baggage. Right. Right. Definitely. And right after, um, faith said that Buffy, you know, should learn their names. 
I thought it was so fascinating that, well, Buffy tried to bring up Faith's past, which, I mean, Faith's done enough that that makes sense. But Giles shuts her down really quickly, doesn't even let her finish to stop her from saying that. And that led to Faith's line about asking Buffy if she could follow. Like that, uh, Faith really was my favorite part of this this scene because she's not trying to take over. She's not... Everything she says seems like something Faith would say, unlike Anya and unlike Dawn and yeah. Xander. Faith was the she was the star of, of this for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um I absolutely agree. I, I I she's not trying to do any of like her, you know, past faith behavior. She's not trying to take anything from Buffy, but she is um maybe being critical and making Buffy try to stop and think because the rest of Buffy's friends are having these odd reactions i do think xander's is more in line with yes. kind of where his character's at emotionally and just kind of the way he's behaved in the past um but willow and giles really um and then and then dawn in yeah. a moment but uh their reactions to um i i can certainly see their perspective after what's happened but just how far they've come with Buffy, it doesn't really um, match up with the history of the show. And literally in the prior episode, Xander gave everyone a speech about how Buffy is like, you know, she's done more for their lives than they can ever remember. And like, she's died twice. And like, if you don't, you know, he says something like, you know, like you, like you have to trust her. And I get it. He has since lost an eye. I would also feel shitty if like my best friend was like, well, you lost an eye, but we're going to do the same exact thing again. And hopefully the results are better. Like I would definitely be pissed, but like, it's just weird that all of them turn on her. Like when Kennedy, Kennedy and Rona calling Buffy out makes more sense. But like when like Kennedy's like, Willow, why are you always defending her? And Willow's like, I'm not defending her right now. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, It just feels weird. It feels like it felt like it should have had more of a, I feel like the way to do this would be to have enough people make a stink that Buffy just like decides to leave. To or leave, something. yes. Like I would rather she had like left herself and been like, why don't you all just enjoy a little faith weekend with your fun aunt and see how. Right. And see if you all don't like catch a bomb in the mouth next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> with like a peace sign and kicking the door down. Maybe like. you don't make it seven se- seven minutes into the next fucking episode without fucking <laughs> catching a time bomb. <laughs> Adam, I love catching a bomb in the mouth. Like it really is. Like she literally leads them to a fucking bomb. Like <laughs> right into the mouth of a trap. Um <laughs> <laughs> and like I gotta say I get pissed at everyone and I love the writing of Dawn in the season but Dawn pisses me mm, off the most in this scene because yes. also I'd be like do you pay the bills here Dawn because yes, I don't think you're a green <laughs> floating ball of energy ma'am yeah. like sit down <laughs> that's the thing yeah, I was I like say Michelle though with the perform- when, uh she t- um, she says shut your mouth yeah that is, oh, that's yeah. a good that's a good uh, Michelle performance yeah, it's like through gritted teeth. She really sells it, at least. She did. Yeah, <laughs> but, just, it's a little bit like, just like, yeah, like, that, remember that last season when everyone was pressed about how who's going to pay the water bill? Oh, yeah. Who there is going to pay the bill? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all half of you live here, so what do you mean, who's going to pay this bill? Yeah, <laughs> like Hot Pockets gay, or this other person, or the kid, or like... <laughs> 
the witch who just got done killing like a dozen people and is like in rehab. Like, like <laughs> not that we have to be yeah it's, it's 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 definitely one of those things where like that would have been like a moment like i just feel like had they pitched it a little bit and and still had a you know not every last soul in her life gang up on her and <laughs> and, and force her out and it, it just had it just been enough because again if you had like 20 of my closest friends in a room and i have been doing all this shit for them and you had two people giving me this level of shit i would have yeah. been like good night <laughs> um, and then just had her maybe take a little bit of control of that. That's maybe the fix. Yeah, Adam, I like your rewrite. I I think that's <laughs> that's a good rewrite. I because it really it really would have made more sense. Like I just like ugh, like okay, good like good luck surviving. I just don't understand. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like I maybe like done that and just kind of said like, hey, you know, why don't we do, give this a little trial? You know, right? Faith takes over. I spend the night. Uh, with Spike and and uh, putting spa gloves on, and I will <laughs> I will get some of this relaxing you all want me to do so much, and then I'm gonna go upstairs and get a face mask to right. run with me. This, <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's it. That that this is the mom moment where she's like, "Enough, kids, I'm leaving, <laughs> and I'm gonna be in a bath, and then make your own peanut butter sandwich." I don't know. Like, <laughs> I would love if like that was how this went, and Buffy was like in a bath for the next whole episode, <laughs> like having some wine, and they're caught in the catacombs, exploding. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, it's weird. It's weird. I said this would happen. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, this is a great break while everyone's blowing up. <laughs> so, I do like uh, the scene with her and Faith because again, Faith is the only one that's like not really pissing me off here. So I appreciate that, like. Faith follows her and Faith is like, Hey, like I didn't, this isn't what I was trying to do because again, I do think Faith isn't lying. She wasn't going for that. And I do, like the, the dynamic between Buffy and Faith will never not be a dynamic that I don't love. And I still love it here. Like I like that Buffy doesn't fight her. Buffy just is like crying. Cause she's upset understandably. And is just like, you know, protect them now their like lives are in your hand which is also like good luck but also she like means it and i so i do like that as like the last beat so it's not at least like we all fucking hate you buffy it's like the other slayer like respecting buffy yeah that was a good moment that was like one redeeming thing from this otherwise horribly tense scene that didn't really need to be there was that like moment of connection slayer to slayer buffy to faith yeah i did like that yeah, I, I love their dynamic, uh, Stephen O'Neill. Yeah, I do too, and um, and it, it's just uh, faith when you like really think about it. Really, is not in the whole Buffy verse. It's not in like that many episodes, but just to see like her entire arc on the show, um, and just sort of where she ends is, um, I think, really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. And now with a fashion roundup for the episode Empty Places, we have season seven costume designer Matt Van Dyne. Hello, Matt. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, so what do you got for us for uh, Empty Places? Okay, this is now we're up to episode 19, aren't we? Oh my goodness. Yes. We're getting so close to the end. close to the end. Well, <laughs> in the last episode, we were introduced to Faith, weren't we? We And, mm-hmm. and also Caleb. But... Yes. Uh, uh, in this episode, I, you know, I, you know, I was getting more into, you know, dressing Eliza, and mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to share with everybody that when Eliza first came to the show, I don't, 
I, 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 I don't know why. I just don't think she was too crazy about me. I just don't, I, <laughs> okay. you know, now, I, I didn't have any of those feelings for her because I didn't know her or anything, but I'm right. not, I'm not sure what that was about. Okay. But, um, initially, um, maybe it was because she was coming in toward the end of the season and this was, you know, the regular cast of characters and she's getting thrown into the mix. And yeah. uh, maybe there was a little bit of, um, uneasiness about that. And, her wanting to um, stand out, perhaps I don't know. Okay, but okay. Um, that was never a question in my mind. I, you know, it was always I I would treat her just as uh, fairly as all of the other characters because you know I I wasn't trying to make anybody look better or worse than anybody else. Right. I mean right. that that wouldn't be my job. My job is to. Uh, address the script, address the character, and uh, fulfill the actress's wishes to the best of my ability. Mm. And Eliza, um, a beautiful, beautiful girl, and mm. uh, was a, certainly a pleasure to dress her. And as I think I've said before, I purchased a lot of uh, really uh, better clothing for her. But mm. one one memory I do have that kind of spills over into past seasons. See, as I, I've said before, I didn't approach the show, uh, ha, you know, based on previous seasons. It was, right. I think season seven is kind of a standalone when it comes to the costumes because they're, they're different. And, yeah. and the, you know, everybody's growing up, you know, and that's part of the, you know, the story, you know, that, uh, you know, and, and, and in turn, their clothing choices are a little more grown up. Mm. But Eliza was very interested in wearing a boot. I remember this so well. Uh, <laughs> okay. There was a, a certain boot that she claimed uh, that she had worn on previous seasons. Well, now there mm. was uh, uh, a stock of wardrobe that was that I inherited when I became the designer. And, mm. and there were, you know... Did they go back to three? Like well, no I, I don't know how far back it went, but I knew that, well, I dug and dug and dug into that wardrobe. You know, I was trying to find this boot and <laughs> it didn't, I couldn't find it. I, you know, and, and yeah. she, she, I want that boot. I want that boot. Now, to be honest, you're probably never going to notice it, but I understand right. the actress though. If that is something that helps her build her character, then she wants that, you know, you know, that um, security, yeah, that and that will help her with her performance. I get that. You're being more than fair, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I do. I really do understand that. Okay. And and so <laughs> I said, well, I wonder where this boot came from. And she told me. I think she gave me the name of it. And yeah. I started looking all over Los Angeles. I mean, literally all over. <laughs> and I'm calling all over the country. And I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, trying to find this boot. I had done this before <laughs> successfully <laughs> on another show with Michael J. Fox, who was interested in uh, having a certain nightwear that came from Banana Republic that I I eventually found at a fabric in New Jersey uh, in a factory <laughs> in New Jersey. That uh, oh, really? I got it. So yeah. So I I I've done this. You know you know, espionage de detective work before. So, um, <laughs> it really is what it sounds like. <laughs> it is. It is. 
So, so you know, but I, I'm looking everywhere for this boot. I can't find it. Can't find it. And so one day, I'm, you know, I knew, she, and she was, you know, she was had her heart set on that boot. Yeah. And I was like, well, isn't there something else we could do instead? <laughs> you know, but she wanted that <laughs> boot. So I go to as a last resort. I go now. Our studios were in uh, Santa Monica. Okay. Hardly ever did I ever shop. And Santa Monica, though, because okay. there aren't that many stores that close by that, you know, we would really utilize. But mm. there was a Macy's in the Santa Monica Mall. And I thought, I'm going to go to this Macy's. And it was an overstock store. And it, was, it wasn't very well organized. And I mm. remember going into the shoe department. And in the back corner of this <laughs> Stupid, amazing <laughs> shoe department. I start digging through boxes and boxes. I find the boot. Nice. They have it. And that that was, you know, like gold to me, you know. Right. And I brought it back. So, you know, I think that helped our relationship a little bit. I think it's, <laughs> you know, that that she had the boot that she wanted to wear. But I yeah, I, I don't know, you know, like like I said, it was just, you know, she felt that maybe she was going to be um you know, like sidestep somehow, but that was never, you know, never the case. As you could see, you know, by, by the clothes that I would put on her. And I was looking at this episode and I think that little lace top, uh, blit lace, it's not like lace is on the side. Mm. Uh, the blue top that she wears over the white t-shirt. And I, yeah. and I remember I looked at that t- today and I thought, well, wow, that, that looks great on her. You know, that, it does. It's a really good color on her. Good color. And just the, the style of it and just the, yeah everything uh about it i liked and i thought well you know that looks really good on her and i you know i as i look back now you know i i i think she looks really appropriate to the character you know i i i'm happy with it yeah i agree yeah (laughs) and i hope she is too i know i know life you know she was just a young girl at the time right and you know i i was probably and still am old enough to be her father so you know maybe it was part part that i don't know it's just like who is this this guy you know because she'd always been dressed by i think Cynthia, yeah. yeah female you know staff before and you know yeah now she has a guy coming in and i don't know if that played into it or not but you know i think eventually you know we we built you know a trust between us i at least i hope so you know, so uh, and I and I was uh, looking at like. How could anyone not like you, Matt? Well, What's not to like? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, when I was going through my records, I was looking at uh, what you know what I had purchased for her, and mm-hmm. watching the show, I, I noticed for Faith, I had purchased this little pendant necklace that had like the square pendant, and I okay. thought, well, that's you know that stood out to me. And I happened to find it in my notes in my records that it's it's a nothing little necklace that came from Macy's. Mm-hmm. It cost all of I think twenty six dollars. Okay, <laughs> but but I just thought oh it, it it fit her character so well. I you know just the simple jewelry, not you know mm-hmm. no, nothing too frou frouy or yeah. anything like that. You know, so different for her. So uh, I'm I'm very happy with how uh, Eliza looks in in the episodes, and I, you know, looking back at it, you know, uh, like I said, I have these memories of 
of what it was to do the work. But then now when I see it on the screen, it all, you know, and that's what matters, what's on the screen. So right. I think it, it looks, you know, appropriate to the character, to the episode. So, so I, you know, and ultimately I'm happy with it. So, <laughs> so that's a good thing. And then, it, uh, go ahead. I just say, it is funny hearing you, like, you know, when you said you didn't like that skirt you built for Sarah, but then looking back, you were like, oh, it does look kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is true. You know, it's <laughs> like when you're in the thick of it, it it's a whole di- you have a whole different perspective. And then looking back at it now, well, I look at it more like as uh, a viewer or, you know, the people that watch it, you know, because I'm removed from it now. I can watch it that way. But it does spur spur memories, and then I, I found in my notes too. I, I that uh, there were just little things that we purchased for this episode for Giles. Uh, uh, his turtleneck sweater was a, a DKNY sweater, the cable knit sweater that I think looked so good on him, yeah. and uh, a black trench coat. I think he's wearing that at the beginning of the episode, which uh, came from Saks Fifth Avenue. It's a Jill Sander black trench it's really nice coat that's about 800 and uh, i think it was like 800 dollars or something like oh, that. nice so very nice very nice uh outfit what i gotta ask you um did you i, I feel like i remember you mentioning the coat did you build that coat that sarah's wearing the brown it's, jacket well i'm trying to remember that i don't <laughs> remember i don't remember that's one of my favorite looks I remember you. Yes, that's why I remember because you had told me that like a while ago. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I have a sketch of it, so I don't I don't know the specifics of that. I can't tell you, <laughs> but but I do remember. That's funny about that. I do remember having a discussion with Sarah about wearing the black shell underneath the brawish yeah. kind of look, but then I remember we both agreed because uh, was you know because of her choices were to be, to stay warm. (laughs) You know, she would want to layer things and we both agreed it would be okay to layer the black uh, piece over top of the white, which Mm. appears in some scenes, you know, like there she has it on and there she does. But I said, well, I think that that's, that's plausible. We could do that. So I remember having that discussion with her, but I do like that outfit a lot. The, The pinstripe pant and the coat. I love that coat. Yeah, I wish I could remember <laughs> if we built it or not. I hope we did because I liked it. But <laughs> but, uh, but I th- I love that outfit on her and the way you know it plays throughout the whole episode. And I think what I wanted to mention was watching this episode. I had forgotten how dark this episode is. It's it's yeah. pretty um, bleak, you know, when you're watching it and serious. I mean, they're all turning on on Buffy, you know, it's like, oh, I, I totally forgotten that, so. Make, made many fans angry, because did, did it, I can yeah. imagine, yeah, it kind of made me angry watching it. Right? Earlier. Yeah, it did, that's interesting. I had like, no how many, idea. How many times has she saved your asses, and you're going to kick yes, her ass? Yes, yeah, it, I, I know, it, it, I felt the same, you know, watching <laughs> it, that's so funny. And also about these these episodes, I can't figure out for the life of me why I don't have more records on what Anya is wearing. <laughs> Cause you, and you love, you love like, I, I, yes. And I love her clothes, you know, and I, I put a lot of effort into that, but I, I don't know for some reason that the, the records of that, you know, at least maybe I'll see it later someplace, yeah. but, uh, but I can't seem to find, 
but I just that little you know blue sweater with the little pearls on it. I love that. I thought that was so pretty on her. And the dress with the little uh, the black dress with the little rainbow colored sleeves. You know, uh, I thought that was so pretty on her. I don't know. Maybe we built that. I don't remember. <laughs> but because uh, I don't see records, so maybe it was something that we made. I don't know. My my only question is. For Clem, yes. Was that? Did you already have that? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I have it. I have it in my script, but I don't think I did have that. I don't think oh, really? so. I don't think so. I think that was something we we came up with. Mm. I'm probably, you know, I just pulled together probably. <laughs> and uh, but I do have one other memory about Michelle Trachtenberg, uh, Dawn, when she goes to the club, the little like flutter sleeve top she's wearing she she uh michelle you know she never got to wear kind of grown-up looking clothes and you know she was coming of age at that time and she was very excited to get to wear something like that i remember that (laughs) so i do i have a memory of that yeah very sweet very sweet that's cute yes (laughs) but uh but yeah that that's pretty much and then i i do have a note i just a laugh to myself another buffy denim jacket for uh, for for this episode, uh, it came from Neiman Marcus, and those little white tops that uh, she's wearing under her um, mm-hmm. other outfit. Those were, I think, uh, we had multiples of those. I had to find those in other places for for whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember why we had multiples, but we did. But <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that that that's pretty much oh and then, then i noticed oh i do have a question this is a question for the fans maybe they can okay. get back to me <laughs> because when uh andrew is riding behind spike on the mm-hmm. on the motorcycle and i might be able to answer this question Keep okay going. can you the helmet <laughs> the helmet yes. okay well it says in the script preferably a helmet worn by dawn yes in bargaining yes and is that where that helmet came from? It, it looks, I, I was going to, I was wondering if that would be you or props, but it looks like exactly the same helmet in bargaining Spike and Dawn, like Spike's babysitting Dawn. Okay, when, well that, that, okay. Uh, and she rides on his motorcycle. It's like the same exact image. It's okay, supposed to be paralleling right, it. Okay, because I wondered, like, where did that come from? But And it's, it's like he wants, he doesn't. It's like he doesn't have a helmet, but he wants her to wear one, and that's all they can find. So she puts. Well, on that. that's that's probably I probably had to come up with that then. Yeah. <laughs> so I that's so you answered it. I didn't have to go to the fans. <laughs> Me, I am the fans. It said, <laughs> it said that in the script, so that's you know, funny. I yeah. Thought, but I I laughed at it in the scene on the on the you know I thought oh that's funny. it's a cute visual right yeah oh it's very funny is there any <laughs> I've told you before I think Tom is just so yeah so brilliant you know <laughs> so but yeah I wondered about that so I thought well who came up with that so <laughs> but those are my, right. basically my memories of that that episode so all right Matt well thank you for joining us and uh, we've only got three episodes left but I'll see you next time okay see you next time thank you bye. so much bye bye all right cool now we're at the end uh favorite outfit Stephen O'Neill you know I, there's not a, I, I, I'm gonna go between um in the first scene Giles is wearing a turtleneck and a trench coat <laughs> and you know as you as I've grown in my age I really Giles is doing a lot more for me. For me, so I'm gonna say Giles trench trench coat turtleneck combo. All right, Stephen Romo. Um, I would have to go with Anya's 
like um, puffy sweater with like pearls all over it in the confrontation scene there at the end. Like it is she's cute, delivering yeah. like these really like cutting lines to Buffy, but she's like warm and fuzzy. Like you can always <laughs> count on Anya just be wearing something that makes no sense this season. <laughs> I like that you're like, it's my favorite and it makes no sense. <laughs> I love it. Just a head scratcher. Uh, Adam? Yeah, I, you know, my favorite outfits always skew um, early 2000s. Uh, the, the one that screams the most of that era. Um, and this is when Buffy is kicked out. The like black sort of nighty undershirt that is visible mm-hmm. underneath, like the sort of semi sheer white top yeah. she's wearing. Yeah. I think that's very, I, I, you know, I do think that should come back, but I'm not in charge of fashion. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, not no, yet. No. <laughs> you do not want um, to see me in chapter bed when we're in the I that actually so I have a tie because I do like that look on her too, Adam. You and I always love we've been stuck in that like late nineties, early two thousands fashion. That'll that's our look forever. We too, hit that and we too, liked it and we stuck with it. <laughs> two middle-aged fags liking what Buffy's wearing, groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> but I will also say that. I love Faith in like, it looks like a something she would have worn in season three, but like a little updated for whatever year this was. That's right. And her, when she's at the bronze and she's wearing like that black tight tank top and her tight jeans and her studded belt. It's like- If you added a little cowboy hat, she would be Susan Sarandon in Bad Bones Christmas. <laughs> like she's a little like, she's come to town to just cowboy catch up hat. with her daughter, but really like she's on the run from someone who she owes money to. <laughs> <laughs> favorite scene uh steven o'neill you know i might go for the the spike andrew on the motorcycle scene and <laughs> like ending with if you, if you tell anybody about this i'll bite you um, <laughs> because you realize it's gone it's gone too far he's gotten too personal um so i'll, I'll take that one for just a nice a nice comedy scene <laughs> uh steven romo i think it was the scene in the hospital early on in the episode when the three core scoobies are there because i just yeah. watching it i know there's so little time left in the season so the more people just get along and like everyone's you know their little found family is loving each other i just really enjoy those even though someone lost yeah. an eye <laughs> adam <laughs> the kicking out of the house no um <laughs> i i <laughs> I do. I, I just. I think I like the Clem part. That always feels very, you know. I just think I like that part probably the yeah. best. It's 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 just it's a nice little um, way to signal that we're in the end game of the of the season and the series. Um, yeah, things are getting serious, and I, I love a one on one scene. It's I'm very. It's hard for me to get into a um, an ensemble moment. But yeah, I, I do. you do I love, love you a, do love a one on one. That oh, is I your... love a one on one. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I think. <laughs> I think for me, it's uh, the everyone at the bronze. I like seeing like the girls get to like have fun and also beat up like this like evil cop. Like I like seeing the potentials have more agency, um, and also like you know it's seeing where they're not being annoying, which is nice. Um, I just I, I like that, and I like that it's like fun. Aunt Faith is the one that's like, yeah, let's all go to the bronze and dance and have fun. Um, all right, what grade do we give this episode, uh, Adam? <sighs> um. It's hard because I, I do like that we're. I, I do. I'm going to give it an A minus because I do think that like um like we get into the meat now. Um, yeah, I do like that in a season where I was more impatient with the middle part. Um, mm-hmm. so I did this. This episode always stood out for me as like great. We're getting into it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, but then you know the minus obviously is for the the ending, which I just it's I'm it's I just don't think. I just don't think plays the way they want it to. 
All right, Stephen O'Neill. I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, I yeah, the ending just doesn't quite work in the way that I I think was intended. Um, although I do love a group of people just arguing with each other. Um, <laughs> but I think there's enough, like the funny parts in this, I think are really funny, and um, it it does move the story um to where it needs to to get to out of the finale all right that's fair um steven romo yeah i think i'd give it a b uh for the same reason when i first watched it the ending made me i would probably would have said a d uh, but it's it does <laughs> yeah. get into those last few episodes like stuff finally starts moving along plot wise and you know the side is coming into the picture so it does a lot of uh, important stuff getting to the final arc so I think I'll I'll give it a passing grade and a little a little bonus there with a B, being a little oh my generous God, I, in my old age. <laughs> this never happens, but I'm going to be the harshest grader, Adam. Can you believe that? I'm I'm living for it again. Like uh, I, I I really want someone out there who's like listened to all the episodes to like put all the grades for all the Marvel stuff and the Buffy stuff back to back and just see how erratic yeah everything is. I, like, I don't remember. Adam and Ian have different logic in every single episode for their grades and like that. I know I'm I'm like in a good mood today. So I'm just like, (laughs) Um, I've like had like literally like depressive episodes where I'm recording and I'm just like, I don't know. F (laughs) I think that was, I think we were doing an X-Men where I was just like, F get out of my face. (laughs) It's hush. And you're like, no F I hate it. (laughs) The worst episode of mine. I'm such a a shitty co-host. Yes. What is your harsh grade of I give it a C plus because not only does that ending like not work for me, but it also makes me fucking furious. And I just, especially yeah. after Adam's very good rewrite of like, okay, like how about she's like, I will take a break. Fuck you guys would have worked better for me than like Dawn being the final vote. That's like, get out of my house where I don't pay the bills. Like, um, I know we like turned into these like, um, like boomers with their millennial kids being like your house, eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about other bills? I bet. Yeah. Um. Well, Adam, <laughs> it was so nice having you back. I, I really can't remember the last uh, Buffy episode you chose, but I think you're right. It was probably in the beginning. Yeah. I think it was the premiere of season seven. Shit. Um, Steven and Steven, you were both lovely on the podcast. It was nice to have you both. Um, Thank you all for listening. If you liked Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other places you get your podcasts. You can also support us on Patreon, where we are currently going through What If and going to be starting Harley Quinn Season 2 soon. Um, and we have a bunch of other bonus episodes. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are at SlayerFestX98 on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram everywhere. If you want to follow me, I am at Ian X Carlos. Adam, where can everyone find you? I am on all the socials at the Adam Sass, and you can uh, pick up my YA de- debut, uh, Surrender Your Sons, wherever you buy your books. And also, I have my second book, The 99 Boyfriends of Micah Summers. You can pre order uh, anywhere uh, that is coming out this fall. Yes. And can't wait. Yes. yes. Okay. We, we are all very <laughs> excited. Uh, I Thank you make sure that Adam's book is constantly my, one of my forever uh, employee wrecks at work. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a nice rom-com. It's a nice change of pace from uh, the seriousness of, of surrender your son. So I think, uh, I think people are going to be pretty happy 
And, and uh, if you yeah. uh, check check out that author photo, uh, I took Adam's author photo, which is a nice. Uh... Yes, Ian has found his way into every into every book of mine so far. <laughs> Stephen Romo, where can everyone find you? Uh, at Stephen Romo on all the socials. Um, and Stephen O'Neill, where can everyone find you? S O O'Neill, S O N E A L L, um, add an 89 on Twitter and then without the number on Insta. Well, thank you boys so much. We are now three episodes away from the end of Buffy and I can't believe I fucking made it this far. Uh, thank you all and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.